All right, well, hello, Antioch. Uh, my name is Zach, for those of you that don't know me, and I'm so excited to uh, be with you today for two reasons. Number one, God is here. Jesus is here, and that is exciting. He is altogether good, and when we come to meet with him, he is always faithful to meet with us and move and to heal and to set free and deliver. So I'm fired up because Jesus is in the building. Jesus is amongst the people of God. God is everywhere, right? He's omnipresent, but he has said amongst his people, Jesus has committed to show up in fresh and unique ways when we gather together. So that's exciting. The second reason I'm excited is you're here. You're here. I'm excited about you. I'm excited that you're a part. If you're a visitor and this is your first time, thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning here at the beginning of the year with us. Maybe you are in mourning over the Cowboys and so you're coming looking for hope. I'm right there with you. We're going to encounter hope. If you're a part of this church, this is your kind of people that you seek God with and live life with. Man, I love being in your midst. And I believe in this month, in January, as we look to God's word, that God is sowing a fresh word into our lives, a fresh word into our lives individually, maybe into your marriage, maybe into your family, into our lives as a community. God's sowing a fresh word that has the power to propel us into a fruitful future, something we all want. So if you'll turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, that's where we're studying, we're learning from the teachings of Jesus. Uh, We're seeing a collection of teachings that Luke has compiled from Jesus, and they're put together here in Luke chapter 8 to help us understand something. If you've been following along through the story, through the gospel of Luke as we've gone through it, you've seen God himself has stepped into our planet. Jesus is healing. Jesus is teaching. He's delivering. He's, he's loving. He's setting people free. He's restoring the world. And it's an amazing and beautiful thing. It's captivating. He's establishing the good and beautiful kingdom of God on our planet. And at the same time, what we see is that not everyone is excited about that that people reject him. And Luke is trying to help us understand about why are people rejecting him? Why are people saying no to him? And why are the people who are saying no, the people that you thought and I thought would be the most likely to say yes? Why is it the people that have this deep history in God, who've experienced the faithfulness and the goodness of God, who've seen the power of God and received the word of God, why is it this people that when God himself is standing in front of him, that they reject him. Maybe active rejection, which we'll read about as the gospel goes on, maybe passive rejection, where it's like, "Ah, I'm just, I'm disinterested. I'm disillusioned. I can't be bothered by it. Why are people rejecting Jesus? And what's important for you and I, as we read this, we can see how did this community that was around Jesus, how did Israel who had this deep history in God, how did they get to that place where God's right in front of them and they miss him? And as we learn about what was operating in their lives, we all get insight for our lives. We all get insight for our future about the things that shape our future. And so as we think about ourselves in 10 years, 
Right? Fast forward to 10 years down the road as you think about yourself, or maybe 10 years is too far, and you're like, maybe I can go five, maybe five years is too far, maybe you can go one, maybe one year is too far, maybe you, maybe you can just think may, okay? You know, just a little bit out there. As you think about that, think about the person you're going to become. So the title of last week and this week, it's the same thing. It's your future self will thank you. Whether it's in May or it's in five years or in 10 years, if you'll take what we see from the teachings of Jesus today and you'll seize these opportunities, your future self will thank you. And so we're in Luke chapter eight and we're gonna read together uh, from the parable, the teaching known as the parable of the sower. We're gonna start in verse four. And if you weren't here with us last week, I explained that my uh, pattern my habit has been to put the scriptures up on the side screens as we go through them. Uh, I, I'm thinking and I'm testing it out and you can give me feedback on it. I got a lot of feedback last week that was like, yes, this is the direction we need to go. But I realized in December, we had a number of guest preachers and it was awesome. And I was sitting here on the front row uh, and watching and listening. And I realized when everything was up on the screen, I just slipped into passive mode. I just kind of lean back in my chair and just kind of, okay, I'm here. But church isn't meant to be passive, right? We're not meant to slip into YouTube mode where it's just kind of like one video blends to another, blends to another. No, church is active. We're not leaning back. We're leaning forward. So just right now, just lean forward a little bit in your chair, right? We saw last week that God is sowing his word into our lives. So you haven't come just to a church service you haven't come to, well, this is what I do on Sunday morning. You haven't come, well, I came because this person invited me. You've come, and God himself wants to sow things into your life, sow seed into your life that has the potential for a hundredfold return. And so I want to help make this more interactive. So I want to challenge you to bring your Bible each week, the old school, you know, old, old faithful, old Bessie, whatever you call it, the big, the big thing, the whole book. Bring the scriptures each week. Maybe, maybe you know, you've got it on your phone today, and that's fine. I want to challenge you as we go forward to bring, the, bring the, the hard copy. But today, pull out your phone if you need to, or look on with someone. If you're like, hey, uh, I'm new at this. Luke, are we talking about Star Wars here? I, I don't know what's going on, right? This is a place you can learn. So just the person next to you is totally normal. Just say, hey, can I look on with you, and can you help me find where we're going. And if you're single and you're interested in a date, this might be a good strategy that could, you know, parlay into something else, right? Lunch plans. So you can thank me later. <clears throat> All right. Again, I'm hoping that you're looking at your scripture in front of you as we read this so that you can actively engage with the word of God and what God wants to do in your life. Uh, Luke chapter eight, verse four. And when a great multitude were coming together, and those from various cities were journeying to him, journeying to Jesus. Jesus spoke by way of a parable. Remember, we learned last week that a parable is a way of telling a story with a point that's meant to grab attention. And he tells this parable. He says, the sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air ate it up. And other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And other seed fell <coughs> into the good soil, and it grew up, and it produced a crop a hundred times as great as what was sown. 
And as Jesus said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples began questioning him as to what this parable might mean. Verse 10, Jesus said to you, disciples, it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest, it is in parables in order that seeing they may and in hearing they may not. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So he's interpreting the story for us now. The seed is the word of God and those beside the road are those who have heard Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. And those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, they fall away. And the seed which fell amongst the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with the worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. And the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart. And they hold it fast and they bear fruit with perseverance. Powerful illustration. Last week, we learned from the first part of the parable, we learned about the power of potential that God has a great desire for you and for me to have a fruitful future. Here he's teaching people about this hundredfold return on their life that he's wanting to sow into them. That's really good news. God, the king over all, looks at you and he's like, I have good plans, good things in store for you. You know what that does? That, that, that softens our hearts to God. Yeah. That, that opens our ears. You're like, okay, you Wow, okay, okay. I, I, you know, I, I can hear more about that. Talk to me more about that. Preacher, tell me more about God. God has good plans for you, good desires for you, and he has potential for all of us. There's an old 80s song. We'll test your 80s music knowledge. The chorus was, the future is so bright. I've, we got a few 80s fans in here, about the same as the first service. I might need to brush up on 80s music. Um, the future is so bright. I got to wear shades. And as I was thinking about you this week, I was hoping that today that all of us would receive such an infusion of hope in Jesus that we would feel like, man, we put our proverbial sunglasses on because the future looks bright. And I know that many of us have experienced great heartache in this last year or in this last couple years, we've experienced the pain of life. And though we have reason to mourn and to grieve as the people of Jesus, when we look to the gospel and the promise therein, we have even more reason to hope and to rejoice. So there's hope available for all of us in Christ. That's exciting. Okay, second thing that we learned was the power of the seed. We saw that the seed that was being sown was the word of God, right? And that seed had the power for a hundredfold return, for an incredible potential, incredible fruitfulness, that this little seed could turn into something like that. And we learn that this is the scripture and it's meant to be sown into our lives and it has power to bring about incredible fruit 
Incredible transformation, an incredible harvest in our own lives. That's exciting. Two, we saw that God's word is a seed packed with power, potential, and provision. God's word is a seed packed with power, potential, and provision. So as we read today, you're letting that seed be sown into your life. The power of God, the potential of God, the provision of God. And there's a harvest that is to come. That's really, really motivating. Today, we're going to learn about the power of the soil, the power of the soil. There are lessons that we can learn from the different soils represented here, and I want to walk you through each one. So let's start uh, in verse 5, chapter 8, where it says, the sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Okay, so what we have, the image that we have is the sower going out to sow, right? And his desire is to sow the seed into like good soil, but along the way he's sowing the seed, but it falls not on good soil, it falls along the path that's hard, right? There's no place for the word to go. There's no place for the seed to go. Then it says, uh, it says here that birds come along and eat it up. Jesus tells us The meaning of this, in verse 12, he says, those beside the road are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Okay, so what do we see here? We see that we all have an enemy, the devil, who wants to steal from the good things that God wants to sow into our lives. We all have an enemy, the devil, who wants to steal from the good things that God wants to sow into our lives. Does anyone in here like to be stolen from? No? Right. None of us like to be stolen from. And here we're getting insight that we have someone who wants to steal from us, not so that we would live in fear, but that we would be prepared and we would take advantage of the opportunities that we have. So what did that look like in the people of Israel? What did that look like in the people gathered around Jesus that led them to where they were that day? Well, as I read through their biography, the biography of their, uh, you know, uh, community, the Old Testament, what you see time and time again is that there are a few ways, a few things that happened to them that stole from their opportunity to hear the word of God. And in stealing from their opportunity to hear the word of God, right, it robbed the opportunity for them to bear fruit. First one that you see as you read through their biography, as you read through their history, is there are times where they would become so obsessed with politics that it's all that would dominate their thoughts. We need a king. We need a king to be like them. We need this king. We need to do this. We need this. What about this nation that's going to take us over? What are we worried about this? What about this alliance? And it just is spinning, 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 spinning so much so that all of their attention goes to that and they lose listening to the word of the Lord for their lives. And it, eventually the enemy would just steal things that God was trying to sow in their midst because they were just so obsessed about politics. Second one that you see as you read through their biography is they get distracted by what the person on the right and the person on the left has. 
Well, look at this nation. Look at how they dress. Wow, that's so cool. Why don't we have as much nice stuff as they do? We need to be like them. Look at what they have. Look at their business. Look at their economy. We need to, man, we need to go and we need to make alliances with them and get involved with them. And oh, we don't really have them. Like they just comparison, 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 comparison. And their attention would go away from the Lord and it would be spent on what this person has and that person has, and should they get that and should they get that? And they lost their ability to hear and to receive the word. Third thing that you see in their lives over and over and over again is the person that they chose to date and marry had a profound effect on their future in God. The person they chose to date or marry had a profound effect on their future in God. Uh, Solomon was one of their famous kings. He was the son of King David, who was the most famous king. He had an incredible calling, an incredible opportunity in his life. And one of the things that he was marked with is he was marked by wisdom. We get the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Proverbs from the teachings of Solomon. And God spoke to Solomon and he told him, he said, Solomon, incredible calling on your life. Incredible plans I have for you. Do not marry women who worship other gods. Do not marry women who worship other gods because what will happen to you when you enter into partnership with them, you will begin to become like them. You will begin to adopt their priorities. You will begin to, you'll walk away from me and you'll start worshiping their gods. Solomon doesn't listen. He's very wise in many areas of life, but he doesn't listen. And he marries whoever he finds interesting or attractive or could kind of make a political advance. He marries all these women that worship other gods. And what the Lord told him happened, not because God was mad at him, because this is just how life works. Who you partner with, who you date, who you marry profoundly affects your future in God. Because as they're spending time together, as they're deciding about life together, as they're pursuing a relationship together, this partner has very different priorities than the priorities that Solomon was to have. Their priorities were shaped out of what they said was the most important thing in life, was shaped out of what their God was. What's interesting, when you read about Solomon's leadership, you know that the history of Israel is they were delivered out from underneath bondage under Pharaoh. When you read about Solomon's leadership, the more that he partners with people who worship other gods, the more he gets distracted from the Lord and sets his eyes on other things. And his leadership style, the wording describing it, looks exactly like Pharaoh, who was the one that their community hated so much. He became the thing that he hated. And he drifted from the Lord, and his kingdom was left in shambles because of that. How does that apply to us? Well, those were the strategies of the enemy in their generation. I wonder what his strategies are in our lives to rob our opportunity to hear the word of God. I was thinking about this, and I know for me, I don't get that wrapped up in politics, but the 24-hour kind of news cycle where there's always a crisis or there's always like an attention-grabbing headline just can pull me in so often. 
whether it's related to sports or related to local news or national news or whatever it may be, social media, like I can just get wrapped up. And what I realize is times and places where I used to have space to hear the word of the Lord, I find my mind drifts to what's, what's going on? What's the latest going on here? What's this? Oh, I mean, I should trace down this. That's interesting. And it's not that those are bad things. But you can see your priorities drift, and the enemy uses that to steal, at least my opportunity here. Maybe you can relate. Another one is comparison. I mean, good night. I struggle so much with comparison, and I'll start looking to the right, start looking to the left. What does this person have? What kind of car do they have? How's their life going? How's their family going? How's this? What are they doing? I'll just start looking at those things. And I'll lose sight of the call of God on my life and the word of the Lord for me. And I'll just be looking over here or looking over here and just drift. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah. That's not just, oh, a matter of fact, that's the enemy wanting to steal from me and from you. And so that doesn't make me afraid. It puts me on guard. So I'm like, okay, I'm not, not today, Satan, right? I'm not letting you do that to me. I'm not getting distracted over there because God has a good plan for me and I'm keeping my eyes on him. For you in here who are single, oh man, as your pastor, I want to plead with you to deeply consider who you partner with in dating and in marriage because the choice that you make there is going to profoundly affect your future in God. It's going to profoundly affect your fruitfulness it's going to profoundly affect kind of your future, your future self. And so often we, 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 we choose, well, I'm dating this person because they're attractive. Uh, I'm dating this person because, you know, we like the same things. I'm dating this person because, you don't know, they just, they make me feel good, right? And, and we can let decrease on the priority list. What's their relationship with God like? Are they pursuing Jesus? Is Jesus the most important thing in their life? And let me just tell you, man, this is such a strategy of the enemy to distract you from hearing the word of the Lord because you'll get into partnership with someone who's not headed in the same direction you're headed in. It doesn't mean they're terrible people. It just means they don't have the same vision that you have, the same calling that you have, and you will drift. There are people here that are meant to be here this morning that are not, largely because of who they chose to date. And I know this isn't popular, but I'm telling you the truth. And you need to hear the truth because I want you to be equipped to step into a fruitful future for yourself. We wanna partner in dating and marriage with people that love Jesus and have a calling on their lives to walk with him because that's your calling. That's what you're about. So don't sell out your, your future for something that feels good in the moment. Okay, let's keep going. That's what we can learn from the first soil. So question for you is how does the enemy want to steal from your opportunity to hear God's word this year? How does the enemy want to steal from your opportunity to have the word of the Lord sown into your life? this year? What's, what's going to steal from this landing on the soil of your heart? Okay, second soil uh, that we see 
here is the soil, uh, in verse 6, soil that fell on rocky ground. Now, this soil says that it grew up, but then it withers because it had no moisture. Your translation might read it had no root, right? So I got a little demonstration for you. Here we've got the, oh, my workout for today. Here we've got the, the soil. You can see it down here in the, in the bottom, right? I got soil. This is good soil. This is really good soil. Uh, and I've got rocks, lots of rocks all around the soil. And so what happens, right? The seed is sown in there and some good stuff happens. There's some fruit that comes, but eventually the seed dies. It withers because it doesn't have any root or it can't get moisture because of these rocks. Now, Jesus tells us, well, what does this mean? And he tells us the meaning in verse 13. He says, uh, and those on rocky soil are the ones who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. You want to note that phrase, in a time of temptation, they fall away. So let's think about that. What would make someone who hears the word of the Lord and begins to take steps in it and begins to grow in their life and they're experiencing the power and they're experiencing the fruit, what would happen that would cause them to fall away when things are hard? Let me just give you a little illustration. Some of you are marathon runners, right? I'm going to run a marathon right now and I need you to cheer me on and you'll get the point here in just a minute, but I'm running, you know, mile one. Feels great. Mile five, I'm still going. I've got lots of cheers today. Mile seven, I'm rolling. All right, 10. Okay, mile 15, and now mile 17. You know what happens, marathon runners. You hit the wall, and your legs, which used to work, now feel like they're cement, and it's painful. And you have the option. You're thinking, oh, gosh, uh, this isn't worth it. I can't do this. I'm not going to make it. It would be better just to walk. I've done enough. I got, you know, this is great. 70 miles are great. You start having those thoughts. The difference between the people that stop there and walk it in and those that kind of keep on going and finish the race, right, it's all about their perspective. It's all about what's going on right here. What are they considering? What are they, what are they doing? Is this worth it? At some point, these people who have received the word of the Lord, when things got tough, they just said, that's ah, not worth it. I can't do this. I should just give up, right? <laughs> and that ends up choking out the fruitfulness of God's word. So this is so important for us that we need to realize our perspective and our thought life has the power to either undermine or unleash the fruitfulness of God's word in our lives. So important right here, uh, what you're seeing in this soil and what we saw in the previous soil is that there are plans and desires that God wants to happen, to accomplish, that he wants to bring about. And those plans can be thwarted by different responses that we have. So we have the goodness of God and the sovereignty of God demonstrated in this parable of sowing 
generously the seed of his word and we see the glory that you and I have a part to play in the way that we steward that and the way that we respond. And our perspective when things are hard is so important for us persevering to the end and bearing fruit. And I've realized for myself that there have been several things in life that feel like they have punched me in the face over the last several years. And just as I've been reflecting, I've realized uh, not thoughts of quitting, but thoughts of just slipping into surviving have been where I've drifted, right? And I realize that's in large part to my perspective, to what's going on right here. And so uh, a while back, I said, okay, I need some breakthrough. Um, and so I went through and I wrote down scriptures that have been really meaningful to me. Uh, scriptures that I've prayed over myself or my family, people that, scriptures that people have prophesied to me. I wrote them, put them in my little Evernote deal. I've got all my scriptures there. And I've started to shift my perspective to where I'm looking at that and I'm focusing on that. And when I do, when I start taking power over what I'm thinking about, boom, I move from surviving to let's take, let's go for it. Let's climb the hill. And I talk with my kids all the time about that we have the power to choose what we focus on. We have the power of perspective. No one else can decide your perspective for you. Every thought that you have in your mind is not true. Every thought that you have in your mind is not profitable. Every thought that you have in your mind, you don't need to own. You can say, not going there, not going down that road, not paying attention to that. I'm setting my mind on what is true, and that is Jesus and his goodness and his faithfulness. That's how I'm trying to respond to this. Uh, now, I want to say, um, I, I've, I've talked about this topic enough to, you know, I had one person uh, one time uh, bring up, he said, well, I don't know about that. Like in my family, it was a little too intense. Like if you mentioned that you were getting a cold, everyone would be like, stop right there. No, your tongue has the power of life and death. Don't say that. Like, and, and they were a little bit shell-shocked. And I'm not talking about kind of, uh, don't say that you are getting a cold. I'm talking about bigger things than that. These perspective shifts that we have this isn't worth it. This is hard. It'll work for everybody else, not for me. God won't be faithful to me. God won't follow through. God doesn't have, those thoughts are what I'm talking about, not your, your cold or lack thereof. We can do, talk about that later, but I'm talking about these big thoughts that I want for you. We all have an opportunity to cultivate our thought life this year. So question for you, what, what's your list that you need to be meditating on? What do you need to be setting your mind on? What do you need to be shifting your perspective with? What do you need to be doing uh, with that, with your thought life, with your perspective? Okay, um, let's, let me make sure that I'm hitting all the points that we need to know or that I, I thought we needed to know. Uh, okay, so what opportunities do you have to cultivate your thought life for fruitfulness? Now we're going to move on to the third soil. So we've moved past the soil that fell on the, the path, the soil that fell on the rocks. Now we're to the soil that has thorns in it. And I have a rose bush in my house, and so we cut some branches or twigs or whatever you may be that have like real thorns on it. I poked myself a little bit in the first service, but you get the idea. So we've got soil, we've got seed, it's planted in there, and then we have these thorns, right? 
And so these seeds, the parable tells us, they say this uh, in verse 7, the seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Now Jesus interprets this for us and he says, the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones who have heard and they go on their way and they are choked with worries, riches, and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. That image of being choked is like very, um, wow, emotive and powerful. Jesus is a good teacher, right? And you're seeing these things choke out the life of God in someone. Now, the things that he lists, uh, these are not necessarily bad things. Worries, we're all gonna have different things that we worry about at times, uh, riches, I hope that all of us have areas of life where we feel rich and experience richness and, and pleasure. Like we're designed for pleasure, right? So none of those things are bad in and of themselves. But the picture that you get is that they've grown up in their priority and they've moved ahead of God's word and God's kingdom being priority number one. And these other things, these good things have been elevated to God's things, and so we lose focus on the word of God and pursuing the word of the Lord because it's like, well, how is this going to impact uh, my personal comfort? Ooh, if I do that, I'm not going to be comfortable. How's this going to impact my finances? If I do that, I don't, I, I don't know, my, my bank account. How's this going to impact? This is, doesn't feel good. This is hard, right? Or I'm worried about this and I, I'm not going to step out in faith because, I mean, this and this and this. And we can let the priorities shift where other things are more important to us than God's word that he's sowing into our lives. It's powerful to think about. So a big lesson, big idea is our priorities can frustrate or fertilize the fruitfulness of God's word in our lives. Our priorities can frustrate or fertilize the fruitfulness of God's word in our lives. Now, secret behind the scenes look, insider tip. Our priorities, your priorities and mine, they are a product of the people that we partner with. Our priorities are a product of the people that we partner with. You like all those P's in there? I'm working on the alliteration, okay? But you get the big idea. The people that we partner with, they shape our priorities. That's why when you work, you're friends with one group that was real into fitness, you found yourself, well, what we did to have fun was we'd go run 5Ks. Then you get another group of friends and they're into going out to eat. So you don't run 5Ks anymore. You go out to eat all the time. Your priorities shift, right? Based on the people that you are around. So this is an incredible opportunity for us that we need people in our life. We need uh, an inner circle, so to speak, that is not just people that have the same interests we do or, or we kind of like the same stuff. We need people with the same priorities that we have. They can be very different personalities, very different kind of backgrounds, but the same priorities because it's those relationships that we partner with that are going to help us keep the main thing the main thing and to move forward toward fruitfulness and not get distracted or, or not value other things more than we value Jesus. So who's your inner circle? Who are you partnering with? I love this quote from Andy Stanley. I talk with my kids about it all the time. Your friends will determine the quality and direction of your life. 
Your friends will determine the quality and direction of your life because the people that you're friends with, that you hang out with, that you let shape you, they're going to shape your priorities. And that's going to determine the direction of your life. So I talk to my kids. I'm like, hey, we are friendly with everyone. Every kid at school, be friendly with them. It doesn't matter what religion they are. It doesn't matter if they're nice to you. It doesn't, it, it, we're friendly with everyone. But we're not, we choose our friends wisely. Right? There's a difference between being friendly and like, this is my friend. And we're working with the kids on, okay, what do we look for in a friend? What are, the, what are the characteristics of someone that you are saying, this is a person that's headed the same direction I'm headed that I wanna lock arms with? And that's a good word for all of us. As we move forward, who's your inner circle? And there may be people that you're close to or you feel chemistry with or you have history with, but you may be realizing like, I don't think their priorities are going in the same way. And there may be some shifts where you maintain friendliness, but your inner circle may need to change up, right? To help you step into fruitful future. Okay, that's what we can learn from the, the, the thorns. So put that soil here. And then we're to our fourth soil where we read uh, in verse eight, and other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. In verse 15, Jesus interprets that for us. He says this, the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Okay, so there's some characteristics of this good soil. It's not based on the pedigree, the background, the, where they went to school, how much money they make, if they're just a successful person. It's not based on those things. That's good news for all of us. But he said the good soil, the kind of soil that would produce a, a, a plant like this, a harvest like this, like this kind of soil right here, like you guys can see it, that kind of soil he said it's marked by their hearing the word. They're holding it fast and they're bearing fruit with perseverance. When I was a teacher, uh, I learned from our principal that listening was not an inherent skill that people had, but that listening was a habit that we cultivate. And so we had to do uh, teaching drills with our students to help them learn to listen and to be able to, in a world filled with noise, be able to pay attention to what the main thing was. It's a habit. Um, they're retaining, right? Uh, going back, and, and, and I, I was in NFL football. I love NFL football. And I was reading about one veteran player giving advice to rookie players. And he said this. He said, every meeting you go into, I want you to take notes. Don't just think you're going to remember it. Write it down. And then go back over it. Because you want to retain what's being given to you, right? That's a habit to review the word of God, to review the word of the Lord. And sometimes we grow tired because we're like, man, I've heard this story before. Can you give me something new? Can you give me you know, a new story or something, something new? But the Bible in large part is meditative literature, meaning it's not just meant to hear and then, okay, I got that. I know some knowledge. It's meant to store up and to meditate on and to ruminate on and to come back to again and again and not just to give us, I know, some facts, but it's meant to lead us into worship, lead us into knowing God, lead us into walking by faith. 
And so that's why you could be the oldest person in the world, read this story for the thousandth time, and get new strength out of it, right? Because it unlocks as we retain it. That's a habit. And then um, perseverance, again, is a habit. You runners, you know this. If you are on a run and you quit, right, it's so much easier the next time just to quit halfway through again. If you're a faster and you fast and you quit, you know, you stop short, so much easier the next time just say, ah, you know, perseverance is a habit. So there are habits that we can cultivate and they don't bring the fruit. Like God in this story is the one who brings the fruit. The Holy Spirit is the one who's planting this word. God's the one that's initiated the power and the provision and the potential, right? But in our part to play, there are things that we can do to unlock that, to, to maximize that, uh, the fruitfulness, right? The habits we practice either maximize or minimize our fruitfulness. So the spirit is at work. He's the one initiating. He's the power source. But there's a yes in our hearts that matters and in our lifestyle that matters, right? God's the one that's initiated. He's the one that's made the way. He's the one that wants to bring about the fruit. But you and I have a part to play. So question for you, what are your habits that you can think about for this year that are going to help you practice, help you hear the word, retain the word, persevere in the word? Those are some questions that you can take with you and think about this week, talk about this week, uh, initiate with someone, take a position of leadership. Everyone who is a leader, initiate with someone, say, hey, let's talk about this and see what God does. I believe if we'll do that, if we'll listen and we'll respond, our future selves will thank us. I want to invite you to stand as we close. I'd like to pray for you. Um, so go ahead and stand up. And I want to invite you just to open your hands like something's being sewn into your lives to help you connect with God's word. It's being sewn into me today. And I want to pray for you. Specifically after the service, our prayer and prophetic team will be available for ministry. And if in here, if you struggle with anxiety and you read that uh, worries of the world or cares of the world and you're like, that's me. We've had a, a word today that God wants to set people free in the area of anxiety. So I want to invite you to come forward after the service for us to pray and minister to you. But I want to pray for all of us right now. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you're so good. Thank you that you initiate with us, that you're the sower. You're the one that prepared the seed. You're the one that sows it into our lives, Lord. You're the one that has plans uh, to prosper us and not to harm us, Lord, to give us a hope and a future. God, and I pray that you would help us all, just as you said in this parable, but he or she who has ears to hear, let them hear. Help us to hear, Lord. We're weak, Lord. Help us to hear. God, help us to retain the word. Help us to, to persevere in the word that we might see a hundredfold return. God, we love you, and we're just asking for your power to be able to do this by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.